I hope you're all prepared for the long summer nights that are ahead of us, or if I guess you're on the southern half of the globe, the cold winter nights that are upon us, because spring season is over, it's time to get ready for summer, and you know, be really hot about everything, but it is now time, once again, for your favorite quarterly podcast to reemerge from its deep dark slumber. It's episode number six of the seasonal anime checkup. I'm Jared, your host, with the most, or so I like to say. This is a podcast about seasons of anime. So if you have listened to this before, you probably know the gist of this. We go over the previous season of anime, which was spring. We'll take a look forward to summer, do a preview of all the shows that are going to be hitting the airwaves in, which, I mean, a lot of them have kind of already been out by now, so you might know some of them. But in case you didn't see the whole schedule... You can maybe find something new to watch. And then we'll talk a little bit about some backlog stuff and movies and all that sort of jazz. Once again, I want to thank everyone for listening wherever you're listening to this podcast on via SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, or on SeasonalAnimeCheckup.com. It's the website about Seasonal Anime Checkup. This word basically it's a website that kind of spawned from this podcast. And it's basically where I'd go talk about anime while I don't do this podcast for like that four month span. I want to give a special thanks to all of the people who listened to the previous episode of the Seasonal Anime Checkup, episode number five, which was the winter-spring 2015 episode, because that episode got a heck of a lot of listens over the past four months. It has basically eclipsed any records that the previous four episodes had done. Uh, I think of this recording, it had 203 listens on SoundCloud, which is about six times or so more than the the next highest seasonal anime checkup episode so thank you to everyone who took time to listen to that and hey let's shoot to surpass that for this episode maybe who knows let's uh, let's get right into this the thing we do here and uh, i want to give a brief warning for anyone listening that there's going to be spoilers in here so if we start talking about a show you're currently watching or you know you had interest in watching you should probably skip ahead because spoilers are not going to be you know left off it's, it's, spoilers are fair game here just as a want to give a brief warning to that so let's dive right into spring season 2015 it was a season all right not as many shows i think i watched compared to like previous seasons probably not as much quality as some previous seasons but there was still some good stuff here and there that if you poked around you could find but uh first we're going to take it to a segment featuring friend of the site chris and he's going to tell you about Assassination Classroom. Once again, I am joined by Chris from astartbselect.com. He's going to tell us a little bit about the second half. I think it's second half, right? Of Assassination yeah. Classroom. So, yeah. Chris, thank you for being on again and take it away. Okay. Well, as always, since this is the anime version and you don't curse, get ready to filter. <laughs> so this show continues to be like my favorite anime that i watch like current anime in every simulcaster season i look forward to it every single week i always find it funny i always find it interesting and i'm always left with a text message from my girlfriend just now sorry about that and always wanting more yeah the the second half i i thought i thought the the first half i thought it was like the whole season and i was confused and thought there was a second season but this is actually just all one season and i guess there's a second season coming out next year makes sense 
Yeah. So I'm excited. Very excited. Uh, Kuro-sensei continues to avoid death from his classroom E3, and his students continue to learn valuable life lessons as well as information and tactics on how to eventually kill him. And uh, don't forget, if they fail to kill him by the end of the school year, he will destroy Earth. There are some dark moments this time around. Like on, They had like a vacation from school and everything, and half of the students are poisoned and almost die by like this crazy lunatic that was trying to be their instructor and got kicked out basically anyways the other uh the other half have to fight these highly trained assassins and then ultimately defeat that evil guy and of course you know good always prevails so the the kids are healed the students also almost kill kuro sensei finally but he has a trump card because why not and uh turns himself into like this little he just it's just his head and a shield around him like a bubble shield so he's invincible when he's in that form should have called hacks yeah, cheap way to avoid death, f***ing Kuro-sensei. So, I, like, I don't know. I think the reason this show is so awesome is just because of how, like, unique it is. I mean, it's about an alien-like octopus who blew up half the moon and is going to blow up Earth, but he agrees with the government that he's going to be the teacher for these students under the condition that if they can't kill him by the end of the school year, he'll destroy Earth. And, if that's not enough, he's like this super cool, awesome, funny, intelligent, perverted, amazing octopus who gives these children valuable life lessons, teaches them better than any teacher could possibly freaking teach, and helps train them to kill him and raise him, raise them to basically become bad assassins. And it's like, it's funny, it's clever, it's entertaining, and it's an anime that, as I'm describing it right now out loud, I can't believe I love it. But <laughs> it's like, it is truly great, and it makes me happy. So you're going to be very excited when that comes back next year? Yes! And I guess they made a movie out of it, and they're making a second movie or something like that. I think I read that on Anime News Network. So I'm going to have to look into that. All right. I guess we will hear more about that next year when there's a second season, allegedly. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for your informative input on Assassination Classroom once again. Let's head back to the show. And we are back. So let's just keep moving forward as I'm going to tell you about Season 2 of Baby Steps. Season 2 of Baby Steps kicks off where the first season left off. Maro is now in Florida at a tennis camp to hone his skills and improve before returning to Japan. There, he learns the essence of going on a losing streak and using that to make one mentally tougher. He also learns to use, the, use little intricacies to help calm himself in the middle of matches. He returns to Japan fully focused and pursuing his goal of winning the All Japan Junior Tournament to go pro. In the way are old rivals that also have the same goal in mind. Along the way, the relationship between Maro and Natsu con- continues to improve with Maro almost confessing his feelings to her. There is a bit of a love triangle brewing with Natsu's rival Shimizu, which hopefully doesn't get too far into stereotypical romantic drama. Baby Steps is still in top form like Season 1, and this is helped by it retaining the same opening from Season 1, because that song is fantastic. It truly is. And it's one of the rare occurrences, I think, of a show not switching the opening, even between like the 12-episode splits like this show had in the first season, and just continuing the same opening into like this next season. That's not... I don't know many shows that... That actually does that, so it's a great, you know, trick that they're doing. Up next, let's talk about Gunslinger Stratos, the animation. Gunslinger Stratos is a third-person shooter light gun shooter published by Square Enix for arcades in Japan. If you're thinking an anime adaptation of an arcade game is going to be the breakout smash hit of the season, you're going to be disappointed. Gunslinger Stratos does have an interesting concept. What would happen if you were transported from your world and timeline to, let's say, 2015, and had to face off against another version of yourself. Beyond this, 
you get sucked into a hole of time travel nonsense that gets a little too convoluted for its own britches. There are also a lot of animation issues plaguing this series, which isn't a big surprise since this is from A1 Pictures, who you may remember were responsible for last year's Persona 4 Gold in the animation, which also had this same problem. Overall, it was an interesting concept, but it was flawed and just mediocre. Next, let's talk about Hibiki Euphonium, or Sound Euphonium. Kyoto Animation's Sound Euphonium is probably the best-looking show of this entire season. Based on a high school concert band, Sound Euphonium made me reminisce a lot about K-On! and the similarities in production these two shows must have had. Recording the individual music numbers and having to record for characters learning songs and whatnot had to have been no easy feat for Kyoto Animation. They pulled it off just as well as they had in K-On! In terms of the story, it can get very drama-filled at times, with the band clashing with their new advisor, unrequited loves, and inner band trifles, and maybe Kyoto Animation's closest showing at a same-sex relationship. The characters themselves show a lot of depth over the season, and seeing this growth over the 13 episodes is great to see. For example, an early frontrunner for best character of the season, Asuka, started off as this eccentric, comical, and talented character who you later learn sort of uses those characteristics to mask that she is not as capable of making tough decisions and is one of the reasons she chose to be vice president instead of president of the band. Sound Euphonium is a top pick of the season and should be recommended to fans of music or Kyoto Animation style of animation. Let's keep moving forward and dive right into, at least in the States, the Netflix exclusive Knights of Sidonia or Sidonia no Kishi Season 2. The sci-fi mecha drama is back for another season which kicks off in a rather gory fashion. You should expect a good amount of blood, horror, and disturbing scenes from this second season. Season 2 of Knights of Sidonia seems to focus on the characters more so than the battles, but that doesn't take away from the quality of the series. The relationship between Tanakaze and Izana is more fleshed out as well as how these two interact with the new character Sumugi, who is a hybrid between a Ghana and a human. Sumugi has two forms. One as a giant guardian-like shape, and another as something resembling a blob, which is what she uses when she interacts with Tanakaze and Izana when out of battle. One of the central themes of this season is what happens when humanity tries to play God. Kunato is quickly replaced in the opening episode when a parasite representing the mind of Ochii, a former scientist who's supposed to be, who was supposed to be executed years earlier. He teams up with Captain Kobayashi after she performs a coup d'etat on the Immortal Committee, and has them murdered so she can go forth with her plan to bring war directly to the Ghana. Even though this season is lighter on the action, the last few episodes more than make up for it with gripping action scenes that will have you on the edge of your seat, especially when they play the first season's opening over one of these scenes in the season finale. It seems likely that we would see a third season of this as there are still unanswered questions that have yet to be answered and since the manga is still a ways ahead apparently. For fans of the first season, you'll feel right back at home at season 2. This did just get recently added to Netflix, so if you watch the first season there dubbed or subbed, you can start marathoning through this immediately. Now let's talk about the show that has the most feedback here on the seasonal anime checkup this time around, Ore Monogatari, or My Love Story. So I'm going to start this off in terms of opinions. Ore Monogatari is my pick for show of the season because it's easily the best anime comedy and most I've laughed since last year's Gekkon Shoujo Nozaki-kun. Like Nozaki-kun, Ore Monogatari subverts your typical shoujo stereotypes and goes in different ways with them. Takio is not your typical shoujo protagonist. He's a big guy who is frequently strong and not necessarily the most handsome guy, especially compared to his best friend Sunakawa. This doesn't stop Rinko Yamato becoming enamored with Takio as a person. Their relationship blossoms as the season goes on, and they are absolutely adorable with each other because they are infatuated with each other. Sunakawa subverts being the guy who most of the ladies want because he constantly would turn down confessions at school because these girls would talk about Takio behind his back. 
He's a true friend and one that Takio cherishes deeply. The comedic bits in the show are top-notch, like I said earlier, and will have you constantly laughing throughout each episode. It's interesting for a show like this that there hasn't been a lot of love drama in it. Of course, in the last episode, it was the first time the drama really ramped up with Sunakawa's sister being propositioned by a college acquaintance to confess her feelings for Takio. We may get our first first true bit of shoujo drama in a show that has seen Takeo save Yamato from being crushed by a steel beam. That won't be melted by jet fuel. Takeo escaped from a burning building, and Takeo and Yamato having to stay overnight in the woods after getting lost. Ori Monogatari is well worth anyone's time and is highly recommended as the best show of the season. Now for another take on this, let's take it to friend of the site Haley and see what she has to say. An interesting twist on the shoujo genre for once, the guy ends up getting the girl at the beginning of the show instead of the end. Unfortunately for me, while the show has enough charm to make me weep rainbows and sparkles, there wasn't enough tension to make it interesting. If you're interested in a cute shoujo without much drama, this is a great pick for you. It reminds me a lot of Kimi ni Todoki. It's a good shout out right there. And also, let's take it to Tumblr user Ben the Echidna. I'm probably just butchering your pronunciation, I apologize, but... Anyways, let's see what he has to say. My love story is phenomenal, and it's even better to be sharing it with my girlfriend as we excitedly look forward to it every week. So there you go. Top pick for the spring season. Up next, let's talk about a show that I kind of laughed off in the spring previews last episode. Awari no Seraph, or Seraph of the End. Let's go to Haley and see what she has to say about this. Oh my gosh. Awari no Seraph, Vampire Attack on Titan, as I affectionately call it. This was the little stereotypical shonen that could. I dismissed it as first as an Attack on Titan ripoff, but come to find out it was a show full of compelling and morally great characters, an interesting twisty plot, and a really amazing opening theme that will make you go out and slay wild animals with your bare hands! You're not going to find a ton of originality here, but it's the best kind of cookie cutter anime. Fun, dramatic, humorous, action-packed, heartbreaking. Not to mention, the show is actually greenlit for a second season which is coming out in the fall and will have an original ending. Baller! If you're a fan of Attack on Titan or Blue Exorcist, this show is your jam. For a different take on this, let's go to Chris and see what he has to say about it. Chris is joining us once again. He's going to tell us about vampires or the vampire show of the month. This is apparently hashtag year of the vampire. Seraph of the end, man. Yes. Yeah, it's freaking great. So, like, what's the one thing an anime needs for me or for you to be certain that, like, I'm going to watch it? Vampires. Exactly. Vampires. Like, from from blood and blood plus all the way on the other side of the spectrum to Rosario and Vampire. We just forget I, about Blood Sea. I, shut up. I, I don't even bring it up. <laughs> I'll watch all of them. And so, obviously, I'm going to watch this one. And and I, I enjoyed it. Like, the first episode really hooked me. Almost all of civilization is wiped out due to a virus. The vampire vampires rise and force humans to be livestock. But it's like only children under a certain age i think it was like 13 or 14 because the virus kills all adults and as long as these or these children don't rebel against the vampires they'll be kept alive they just have to let the vampires feed on them which guys that's a fair trade okay just let them suck on you get a little blood and you live i mean come on now does that sound fair i i have no comment no comment. You would rather be a vampire, too, just like me. I get it. Okay. So, like, our main character, Yuichiro, and his orphan family, led by him and his orphan brother, Mika, decide that, you know, they're, they're tired of being blood bags, and they, they want to escape the vampires, which, I mean, come on. That's a bad idea. 
you're little kids. You can't run away from vampires. And it fails. And so the first episode, we watched the entire orphan family die together at the hands of a vampire. And, like, our main character, though, he's helplessly looking on. And it was so emotional. I was, like, blown away how graphic it was because I've, like, I've never read the manga and I had no idea what to expect from this anime. So it, it caught me off guard. But it was so intense, so ridiculous, so and it made me really sad. So I was like, oh, I'm hooked. Gotta watch it. After escaping our main character, he decides to join this Japanese Imperial Demon Army and he wants to get his revenge, as every young, like, 13-year-old boy would want to do, right? That's what I, I do when I was 13. Right, same here. I... Well, actually, I was just putting fangs in my teeth. But So fast forward to the end, we find out that our main character has been a trial subject for this army. And one of the higher-ups like drugs him in order to unleash some sort of demon from within him. And his brother Mika is still alive, but is aligned with the vampires. And he's like a vampire-human hybrid thing because he hasn't fully turned. But like he, he might fully turn. We don't freaking know. <sighs> And he wants to save his brother Yui from, like, these evil humans, because Mika sees them as evil, manipulative humans, which is weird. So we have, like, a vampire side and a human side. Both of them see each other as evil, but neither of them are really good or evil. You know, like, there's good and evil in both of them. You know what I mean? So, like, we kind of see, like, a perspective from both of them. It's nice. It's awesome. And then, Jared, 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 at the very end, one of the higher-up vampires is working together with one of the higher-up humans. Oh, collusion! Yeah, a human and a vampire working together, but I thought they hated each other. Say what? One weird thing that happened in this anime is, like, towards the end, of course, uh, when he does turn into that, like, demonic-looking human thing, our main character. It looks so much like Kaneki from Tokyo Ghoul. It was really weird. Like, not a split image, but if you kind of, like, compare them in, in certain images, like... I don't know. It was weird. I enjoyed the anime, though. It had a few twists and turns. It had comedy. It had action. And, of course, it had vampires. Jared, if I was to rate this anime, I would give it two fangs out of two. (laughs) So you're going to be very excited come fall season when it comes back, right? Yes, definitely. I think think it's a funny anime. It wasn't... Weren't you saying, like, didn't uh, the people that made Attack on Titan make this, too? I don't think so i think it's like a lot of people have like compared it to that okay yeah it's it's really good it's nothing compared to attack on titan though and that's coming from a guy that likes vampires too much all right we will we'll probably hear more about vampires next season in summer and then in fall when this show comes back from chris so hashtag year of the vampire will continue in 2015 but for now let's head back to the show if you're a fan of shows that are going to make you cry Let's talk about Plastic Memories. Plastic Memories is an original series that basically let you know from the very first episode how it would ultimately end. This doesn't ruin the series, and in fact makes the series finale all the more impactful. You go on a journey with these characters, and to know how it'll end up just hits you even harder than it would have if you didn't expect this. Plastic Memories takes place in a universe that is in the future where androids called Giftia have been created. These Giftia only have a lifespan of about 10 years, and the organization that main character Tsukasa works for has to retrieve these Giftia who are about to expire and delete their memories in order to use the bodies again. It's an emotional process and will really get you teary-eyed when you see it happen a few times. Tsukasa ends up falling for his partner, a Giftia named Isla. Eventually, the two of them get together late in the series, but the caveat of this 
of this is that Isla, from the first episode, only has about 2,000 hours remaining in her lifespan. This is the crux of how the show gets you emotionally, as you know this going through all the episodes, and when Tsukasa and Isla, Isla finally get together, you are overjoyed, but sad at the same time because you know this will end in heartache. Isla is retrieved by Tsukasa on the final episode after their final day together in a very emotional scene. The ending slightly sets up that maybe they could do more of this show, but I don't think that there should be any more just because that one season was so impactful, I wouldn't want them to ruin it by continuing. If you want to cry a lot, you should definitely check this show out. And for another take on Plastic Memories, let's head back over to Chris and see what he has to say about it. We're joined by Chris for the final time on this episode, and it's time to talk about getting sad, crying a little bit, little bit and let's talk about plastic memories as well oh man so you really you really were hit hard by the show <laughs> from what you've told me yeah man it was a it was an emotional roller coaster but like the roller coaster was just going down really fast and instead of feeling excited when you're falling down on a roller coaster you're just crying mm-hmm. yeah i liked it a lot it was like <sighs> i just don't even want to talk about it <laughs> It was, it was, I think it was mostly strange because in the, in where I, when I talked about it, it was weird that they show basically gives you the entire premise in the very first episode and actually doesn't stray from that. And it's basically like, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have to deal with it for the next 13 episodes. Yeah. It was like, it was very emotional and the anime itself was beautiful, but like they did it. They did a good job, I think, of balancing out keeping you happy and entertained, even with that impending doom that we knew from the very get-go. Like, we knew how it was going to end. Mm-hmm. We knew it, but it was still... It, they, they, it wasn't like Attack on Titan where you're just depressed the whole entire time because nothing good ever happens. It had its it had its up moments, but still, it was just like in the back of your mind, you're like, this, like, this is all for nothing. It's just for memories, but only one person's going to keep his memories. She's not, and it's just... ah. Fudge. Haha, saved myself. Nice job. Thank you. So, obviously, the show ends the way you basically in, in, envisioned it going to end. Yeah. Very sadly. Yeah. But with that final scene, do you think they'll come back to the show at all? I, you, I didn't know how they would set it up for a second season, but with the way they did it, I, I they could. Because now we can see what it's like with him juggling his emotions from, you know, like the previous to her now. And we could just, we could see how it goes. Maybe he, like, is still in love with her and she doesn't remember him and kind of hates him. I mean, there, and there's so much comedy elements that could come into play too that it could be like a complete 180 from emotions. I mean, it's, it's an original series, so basically they could do this, but I'm of the mind where I don't want a second season. Just right. because I don't want to see them like ruin what they did with this in the short little time and capsule, and basically yeah. like, oh, here's the second season and everything kind of gets undone, yay, or something dumb like that. So right, it's like it's like it's like a wrestling match where you have a five star match, and then like we're like, oh well, it was so great, we might as well do it again, and again and again, and it just ruins what what was amazing. Yep. So, and hopefully they don't do that. I mean, honestly, I'll watch it if they do. But it was—it was one of those like, and this was one of those five-star animes that comes out of nowhere. Like, I didn't—I did not expect it to be so great. I didn't expect to cry so much. 
I yeah. didn't expect to like you know be emotionally invested in this, but to me this was like a five out of five anime. Well, there I you have it. it. The Chris Ross official approval, official stamp of approval, I should say, for yeah. Plastic Memories. Yeah. Basically, you need if you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. Insert your feelings, and also realize that you're going to insert the feeling shredder, and it's going to rip your feelers apart. Oh boy. The Chris stamp of approval is filled with his tears. <laughs> Tons of tears. So that's going to do it for Chris on the here on the sixth episode of the season. Let me check up. Thank you once again for for joining us and giving your thoughts on the shows you watched. Thanks for having me, dog. No problem. And with that, let's head back to the show. And finally, our final spring show of the season that we're going to talk about: Yamada Kun to Seven No No Maho, or Yamada Kun and the Seven Witches. Yamada Kun and the Seven Witches is an adaptation of the manga, which I have thoroughly enjoyed reading this year. This adaptation is pretty spot on in terms of the first arc of the manga. All the main story beats are here and accounted for, though it did feel a tad rushed in terms of the story since there were only 12 episodes. There is also the factor of this being an adaptation of a manga that is currently in the 160s in terms of chapters, so there was no way it could cover everything. Though, though this adaptation felt like it took everything that made the manga great and transferred it correctly to your TV screen. I would have loved to see more of this, or at least a second season, but with the way this series ended differently from how the manga ends, at least the first arc, it'd be interesting to see how they continue onwards. If you're a fan of mysteries, magic, slightly raunchy humor, and romance, you should definitely check this out. Unless you don't like to see same-sex kissing, then you'll probably be turned away immediately. So that's it in terms of spring, summer, spring, summer, excuse me, <laughs> spring season 2015. Thanks to all the guests who decided to put in opinions. Let's talk about movies, because I actually went and saw one of those in the past, you know, four months. I went and saw When Marnie Was There, and there's a full review up on the site. Just go to SeasonalAnimeCheckup.com if you want to go read that. But I'll give a little brief overview of what I thought of that movie. It was actually my first Studio Ghibli movie, which is probably really surprising and kind of strange, especially since I run an anime site and an anime podcast. The main thing I took away from this movie, it was like, really kind of confusing first half because you don't know what's happening at least i didn't because i didn't like watch any trailers or anything beforehand and then the last half of the movie is just repeatedly punching you in the gut emotionally and just wants to make you cry probably the hardest i've had to like try and not cry at a movie ever but i liked it it was it was entertaining and it's very emotional that's for sure so if it's if it's in a theater around you someplace, I know it's kind of like just sporadic and in little artsy theaters, you should go check it out or just wait for it to come out on Blu-ray, DVD, home video release, whatever. Now let's talk about the backlog. The stuff that wasn't necessarily in the last season. And maybe stuff that you watched or just, you know, finally finished. I want to give some brief mentions to a new series I put up on the website at seasonalanimecheckup.com. It's a series called Does It Hold Up? And it's me taking a look back at shows I watched when I was a child and deciding if in 2015, if they were actually still anywhere good as they were back when I was a kid, or maybe, you know, nostalgia has kind of blinded me. And I think those shows were better than they were. But the two shows that I have up right now are Cardcaptor Sakura and Gundam Wing. And you can go check out both of those editions of Does It Hold Up? at SeasonalAnimeCheckup.com and see what I have to think and if I think if either of those shows hold up in 2015. But there was actually a show I watched in the backlog that I didn't write about on the site because I wanted to write or I wanted to talk about it on the podcast, and that's Love Live Season 1 and 2. Love Live was always a bit of a conundrum for me, since the only reason I knew of it, initially, was through the mobile School Idol Festival game. 
After months of playing that, I finally decided I should probably at least check out the anime and see what it was about. To my surprise, what I found was an emotionally driven two seasons that tugged at my heartstrings and got even more of this music stuck in my head. The gist of the first season is that the girls want to save their school from being closed and form a school idol group to become popular enough to drive registration. They are able to succeed, but unfortunately are unable to compete in the annual Love Live Idol competition due to Hanukkah getting sick. The first season is pretty straightforward in terms of story, but luckily the second season expands on this and gives you a look at some of the members who were overlooked in the first season like Nico, Nozomi, and Rian. The second season sees the group achieve their dream of winning the Love Live before their third year members have to leave. The show ends on them emotionally breaking up their group, but also follows that up with an ad for the movie which seems very out of place. Of course I would be remiss to not mention the CGI used in the, for the dance sequences. It's a cheap way to produce these scenes, but it does not look great at any time. For the most part, all of the models look like they would come out of the last generation video game and none of the girls ever really emote in these scenes. They just seem lifeless, but then come back to life when there is a shot of drawn animation. It's the only real sour note that this series has, which is a shame. If you're like me and have played the mobile game without checking out the anime, you should absolutely just give it a shot and check it out. You'll at least know which of the songs from the game correlate to which portion of the anime, finally. And that's going to do it for the backlog. So let's, let's dive into a summer season 2015 preview. But first, we have a, we have a first year at the Seasonal Anime Checkup Podcast. Ben the Echidnia, as I horribly mispronounce your name again, I apologize. He has a brief mention about summer season 2015 that he would like to talk about. For the summer's new stuff, I'm looking forward to Overlord and Raka, whatever the extended title is, because they're interesting to me as a D&D dungeon master and storyteller. Some interesting, some interesting caveat, and I guess we'll see what those shows are about here when we talk about the summer season 2015. Let's dive right in. Before we start, I want to apologize in advance again, because I'm probably going to butcher names and mispronounce stuff. This, It's just going to happen, and I apologize in advance. So first up, we have... Akagame no Shirayuki Hime from Bones. The story of the original manga revolves around Shirayuki, a beautiful girl working as a medicine woman who has red hair, which is very rare in her country. When she is proposed and chased after by the prince of her country, she runs away only to meet Zen, the prince of a neighboring country. Finding, uh, freaking out. Finding respect for the young man, she decides to serve at his side as his court doctor. Aoharu Cross Kike Kikeninju from Brainsbase. The manga follows high school student Hotoro Tachibana, a girl disguised as a boy. Through strange circumstances, she finds herself drawn into the world of survival games by a host, Masamune Matsuoka. The two form a team with Aero manga artist Toru Yukimura and aim to be the best in Japan. Aquarian Logos, a new anime in the Aquarian series. And that is by, should, uh, by Satelite. Chaos Dragon Sekryu Seneke from Silverlink. The story takes place in the sparkling year 3015, that's a ways away, where the great nations Donateria, Donatia and Koran divide the world in a cold war as they fight for supremacy in the middle of the standoff is the island country Nil Kamui, which has lost its independence. Charlotte from PA Works. The story centers around the special abilities that occur among a small percentage of boys and girls in puberty. Yu Otosaka uses his power without others knowing and lives a fairly normal average school life. Before him suddenly appears a girl now Tomori. Due to his meeting with her, the fate of special power users will be exposed. That kind of reminds me of when supernatural battles were commonplace? I think it was a show from fall or winter of last year. Classroom Star Crisis from Le Deuce. 
a romantic comedy set in a near-futuristic world about the troubles and tribulations of high schoolers on salary. With aims to one day reach out into the stars, humanity has colonized all the planets of the solar system. The story of a young high school hopeful... The story of high... <laughs> the story of young high school hopefuls is set in 4th Tokyo in a Japanese Martian prefecture. Iris Shirasasuke is a third-year student, student aspiring test pilot. Mizuki Sara is her peer mechanic, and Mizuki's brother Kaito is their homeroom teacher and the young director of the program developing their talents. Okay, this next show is going to be kind of a... It's, it was a surprise to me when they announced it a few weeks back, but... uh, Dragon Ball Super! From Toei Animation. The first new Dragon Ball TV series story since Dragon Ball GT. The story is set a few years after the defeat of Majin Buu, when the Earth has become peaceful once again. It's basically kind of their way of retconning Dragon Ball GT, which I'm kind of okay with. Durarara! Exclamation Cross 210 from Studio Shuka. This is the second half of the second season of Durarara. And if you remember how the first half of that season ended up, it's going to get crazy. It's going to get crazy. Fate Khalid Laner Prisma star Ilya Two-Way Hers. This will adopt the second half of the two-way manga from Silverlink. Gako Garashi from Lursh. The stu uh, studio. The story revolves around four girls who decide to stay over at school. The energetic Yuki Takeya, the shovel-loving Rumi, the center of the group Rui, who brings everyone together, and Megu, the spacey school advisor. However, through mysterious circumstances, the girls find themselves the final survivors in a zombie attack and continue to live at the school. Gangsta. From Manglobe. <laughs> in the city of Uragastalum, a shady v shady villa filled with made men and petty thieves, whores on the make and cops on the take, there are some deeds too dirty for even its jaded inhabitants to touch. Enter the handymen, Nick and Warwick, who take care of the jobs no one else will handle. Until the day when a cop they know on the forest requests their help in taking down a new gang muscling in on the territory of top mafia family. It seems like business and mayhem, as usual, but the handymen are about to find out this job is a lot more than they bargained for. Gachamon Crowd's Insight from Tatsunoko Productions. We want to know about ourselves, about the fact that there is no society in our country, about society and people living in different worlds, feeling and reason. What is crucial What is crucial is thinking, not worrying. Modern people are too fast. We breathe shallow, bleh, we breathe shallow and quick. We are terrible at being slow and deep. That's what... Okay, that's an interesting synopsis, I guess. Gate from A1 Pictures. There's a subtitle, but I'm not going to attempt to pronounce it. <laughs> the military fantasy series begins when a gate appears in Tokyo's Ginza district sometime in the 21st century. From the gate pours out monsters, knights from Middle Age Europe, and other fantasy-like beings, and they kill many of the city citizens of Tokyo. This event is known as the Ginza Incident. The government sent a small group of soldiers from the Japanese Self-Defense Force, a, a replacement of Japan, Japan's military, to the alternate world beyond the gate. Led by otaku soldier Yuji, they find out that the villages in the world are being attacked by a dragon. An elf girl, who is a survivor from the dragon's rampage, joins the group in their travels across the dangerous new world. God Eater, from UFO Table, or UFO Table, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. The Far East, 2071, the domain of the Mad Gods. In the early 2050s, unknown life forms called Oracle Cells begin their uncontrolled consumption of all life on Earth. Their ravenous appetite and remarkable adapt adapt adaptability earned them first dread, then awe, and then finally the name Aragame. 
In the face of an enemy completely immune to conventional weapons, urban civilization collapses, and each day humanity is driven further and further toward extinction. One single ray of hope remains for humanity. Following the development of god arcs, living weapons which incorporate oracle cells, their wielders are organized into an elite forest. Forced? Force. In a world ravaged by mad gods, these god-eaters fight a desperate war. I feel like that's based off a game. That might be. Himoto Umari-chan from Dogakoba, or Dogakobo, an anime adaptation of Himo, Hiyo, Himoto Uraru-chan manga. The sibling gag comedy centers around Umaru, Tahei's little sister who boasts beautiful who boasts beautiful looks as well as prowess in both school and sports. However, Himoto, beautiful little sister, has a certain secret. Jitsu wa Watashi wa from TMS Entertainment. The romantic comedy centers around Asahi Kuromine, who has a crush on a cute girl named Yoko Shiragama, or Shiragami. Shiragami has, just happens to be a vampire. Is this like the year of the vampire? Holy crap. <laughs> Asahi cannot keep a secret, but he's determined to keep Shiragami's secret anyways. Jokomachi no Dandelion from Production IMS. In the story, the everyday lives of the nine super-powered siblings of the royal family are monitored by more than 200 surveillance cameras and broadcast nationwide. The people of the nation who are watching the broadcast will have the ability to elect the next monarch. The story focuses on Akane, the third oldest sister who can manipulate gravity. She is shy and desperately does not want to be caught on camera. Junjo Romantica 3 is the third season of that. Kangoku Gakuen Prison School from JC Staff. Hachimitsu Private Academy was a revered and elite all-girls boarding school on the outskirts of Tokyo, once upon a time. But with the new school year comes a revision to school policy. Boys are to be admitted into the student body for the first time ever. But on this first day at Hachimitsu, Kiyoshi Fujino discovers that he's one of the only five boys enrolled in the school. Their numbers overwhelmed by the thousand girls in the student body. Is it heaven or hell that awaits these five unfortunates? Kusen Madoshi Koheisei no Kyokan from Dio Medea. The story is set in a world where humanity, driven off the land by the threat of magical armored insects, now live in aerial floating cities. Thus, wizards, aerial combat mages who fight the insects with magical powers, came into being. Kanata Age, EJ, it's a name in parentheses, is a young man who lives on the floating wizard academy city of Mitsutogen. He was once celebrated as the Black Master, Black Master Swordsman, the elite ace of the S-128 special team. However, he is now despised as the traitor of the special team. One day, he is assigned as the instructor of E-601, a team ha that has suffered 10 consecutive defeats. E-601 has three girls, Misuro Witali, Lekte Aisanak, and Rico Flamel, with one of two particular quirks. Monster Musume no Iro Nichijo from Lersh. Monsters, they're real, and they want to date us. Oh, God. Three years ago, the world learned that harpsies, centaurs, catgirls, and all manners of fabulous creatures are not merely fiction. They're flesh and blood, not to mention scale, feather, horn, and fang. Thanks to the cultural exchange between species act, these once mythical creatures have assimilated into society, or at least they're trying. When a hapless human teenager named Kuroso Kimihito is inducted as a volunteer into the government exchange program, his world is turned upside down. A snake-like Lamia named Mia comes to live with him, and it is Kuroso's job to take care of her and make sure she integrates into his everyday life. Unfortunately for Kuroso, Mia is, unde is undeniably sexy, and the law against interspecies breeding is very strict. 
Even worse, when a ravishing centaur girl and a flirtatious Harbi move in, what's a full-blooded teenage human with raging hormones to do? What the f is going on with anime? Holy sh! What the f? <sighs> Any anyways, <clears throat> non non biori repeat. It's the second season of non non biori. Overlord from Madhouse Studios. The story takes place in the year 2138 when virtual reality gaming is booming. Yggdrasil, a popular online game, is quietly shut down one day. However, the protagonist, Momonga, decides to not log out. Momonga is then transformed into the image of a skeleton as the most powerful wizard. The world continues to change, with non-player characters beginning to feel emotions. Having no parents, friends, or place in society, this ordinary young man, Momonga, then strives to take over the new world the game has become. Ronpo Kitan, Game of Laplace. Laplace, I bet that's not how you pronounce that, from Lursh, an anime inspired by late author Edegawa Ronpo's works. Raka no Yusha from Passione. When the Majin awoke from the depths of darkness, the deity of fate chose six heroes and bequeathed them with the power to save the world. Aldoretto, a boy who proclaims himself the strongest on earth, was selected among the Raka no Yusha, heroes of the six flowers, and he goes to the, re the rendezvous point, but seven have gathered there. The hero suspects someone among the seven is the enemy, and the initial suspicion falls on Aldoretto. Senki Zeshu Symphogear GX from Satellite. After the Frontier incident, everyone who knew the circumstances believed the noise were gone and the pain they caused was at an end. But a new conflict approached unseen. In the Yokohama Harbor Osunbashi Pier, a new pattern is detected that is similar to the noise. A combat group wielding mysterious technology stands in the way of Hibiki and the others. When she hears of this enemy of unprecedented strength, Tsubasa hurries back from England. But the Sinfo Gear users see no opening to counterattack and are forced into a difficult fight. In a situation of extreme disparity, the battle for the song that will end the world begins. Shimonata to Iu Gainen ga Sanzai Shinai Taikutsu na Sekai from JC Staff. Probably horribly butchered that, but we'll just move on. The novel story is set 16 years after the law for public order and morales and healthy child raising banned coarse language in the country. Tenukichi Okuma enrolls in the country's leading elite public morale school and is soon involved, invited excuse me, into the anti-societal organization SOX by his founder, Ayame Kaju. As a member blackmailed into joining by Ayame, Tenkuichi ends up taking part in obscene acts of terrorism against the talented school student council president, Anna, for whom Ten. Tenukichi has a crush. Sore ga Seiyu from Gonzo. The original four-panel mana centers on Futaba Ichinose, Ichijo Moesaki, and Rin Kohana, three rookie voice actresses. The manga features small but humorous observations of the voice actor and industry. Hajime Mashidi launched in the manga at the launched the manga at the Winter Comicet event in 2011, and the duo have released new issues at Comicet events since then. The Idolmaster Cinderella Girls second season is the second season of the Idolmaster Cinderella Girls. To Love Rue Darkness second. A second season of To Love Rue Darkness announced at Jump Festa 2015. Ushio to Tora, a new anime ad adaptation of the manga. That's from MAPPA. I don't think I've said like people's names or uh, studio names after uh, for a few of those. Whoops, my bad. Phoenix Project Climax from Nomad. Phoenix Project tells the story of idols living in Japan in the near future. In the world, in this world, data devices and video technology have been progressing to new heights, and people are abuzz about a new form of entertainment, Formula Venus. In Formula Venus, or FV, the chosen top idols battle in live performances with their willpower, skills, and all their experience gained. So it's like every other idol anime. 
Working from A1 Pictures. It's the third season of Working. And then you got Spring Leftovers, like Baby Steps is continuing. Renee, the disappearance of Nagato Yuki-chan, Ninja Slayer, Ori Monogatari, Food Wars, and a few others as well. Uh, there's a couple TV shorts. We're not going to talk about Bikini Warriors because holy f- what the f- is that shit? They should literally just call that, hey, this is fan service. Here's a bunch of girls with big boobs and bikinis. So... If you think we're going to discuss that on the next episode of the Seasonal Anime Checkup, you're dead wrong, because we're just going to pretend that doesn't exist. But I do want to make mention of this one, because this is this this thing is kind of ridiculous. And I'm not 100% sure if it's a good way or if it's like just crazy. So one of the TV shorts is called Makara no Danshi. The anime promises a new and novel sleeping side-by-side experience entirely in the first-person perspective to heal tired hearts. It revolved around 12 Makara no Danshi, pillow boys, all full of distinctly individual personalities and each catering to viewers who like a certain type. The boys all live in the same town underneath the starry sky. Each of the Makara no Danshi will star his own weekly episode as they sleep beside you and whisper. Okay, it's an, it's an interesting concept, I'll give you that. It's not something I would have uh, expected. It's not something I would have thought of, really. But it's going to have an audience, that's for sure. So, hey, more power to it. Which that might seem hypocritical of me saying when I just completely dismiss Bikini Warriors, but f- that. <laughs> and then there's some movies we can talk about. Let's see here. There's a Naruto movie. Of course there is. There's a Code Geass movie. Or an episode they're releasing in theaters. They're releasing the Haikyuu season in two different movies. Kind of mashed together. There's a Little Witch Academy or Academia movie, excuse me. Which I think they just showed that off at the Anime Expo, maybe. Can't actually... I don't remember if I actually read that or or what. There's a Yoamushi Petal movie. I'm not sure if that's like an adaptation of the anime or what. And then there's some OVAs and specials. Uh, there's a second season of Sailor Moon Crystal that's going to be happening. There's an Akatsuki no Yona OVA. Hitalia has another season, if you're into that. There's a Yamada-kun and the Seven Witches OVA, which is a crossover with another series. And then that's basically it for summer. Not a lot was really popping out at me for that for what I read through that preview. But I mean, it's, it's it feels kind of like considering fall is going to be probably pretty crazy, at least from what I'm looking at right now. Because there's 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 a few things on here that I'd be like, yeah, that's coming back, all right. But then who knows? Maybe something else will pop out at me. And apparently, Digimon Adventure is finally going to come out, even though it's supposed to be a movie now, not like an actual series, which is kind of a bummer. But who knows, that might get delayed again, because that's pretty much all that thing has has happened. It's just been delayed over and over again. Oh, but that's that's summer 2015. That's what we'll be looking forward to over the next four months until we meet up again four months from now and talk about what we watched in summer and then look forward to fall. So, yeah, that's going to do it for episode number six of the Seasonal Anime Checkup Podcast. I want to thank everyone that issued opinions that wasn't me so i want to thank ben the echidna even though i just completely mispronounced your name again you can follow him at ben the echidna.tumblr.com i'll have like links to this stuff in the descriptions of wherever you see it so if i mispronounce stuff you'll be able to click on it and get right to it uh, you can follow Haley at shorty-cake.tumblr.com and you can find chris at astartbselect.com or astartbselect.tumblr.com and if you want to find where I'm at on the internet, you can follow me on Twitter at ragbag, jaredclemens.tumblr.com, youtube.com slash ragbag3815. And if you want to read me talk about anime, you should head on over to seasonalanimecheckup.com where 
that's where I talk about anime when we're not doing the podcast. You can read reviews of games, of movies, columns I put up about shows that I like, does it hold up, and you know, there may be other stuff in the pipeline that hasn't come out yet, so you should probably look forward to that. Also, I'd like to make note that if you want to email the Seasonal Anime Checkup, you can do so by emailing jared at seasonalanimecheckup.com. If you have any thoughts, concerns, questions, or maybe possibly you want to write something for the site, just get in touch with me, and we'll go from there and see exactly what happens. But thanks again for listening to another rousing edition of your favorite quarterly podcast, The Seasonal Anime Checkup. And by the time we listen again, I'll be in school again, which is kind of a bummer. But the summer will probably have faded off and maybe it'll be a little bit cooler by then. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you in the fall.